Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Ross Hussain Talib. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. In this episode, I have with me Dr. Hope. She is the founder and president of Hope, helping other people excel, a firm that specializes in facilitating leader success at every level of an organization. She has been consulting with organization on leadership development for the past 17 years. Hope, welcome to the Success Secret Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you having me and allowing me to talk about my passion, developing leaders. Awesome. So speaking of that, I want to start with this. Being a great leader starts with me and ends with we. So can you expand on that? I, so the, the starting with me and ending with we is, first of all, as leaders, having self-awareness about who we are and how we're showing up. And, you know, I often have leaders that are not completely in check with that. And so, you know, when I'm doing one-on-one leadership coaching, we'll do an assessment, a 360 assessment where we get feedback from all of the people that they influence, you know, their employees, their peers, their boss. And it's, it's interesting when you find a leader that thinks that they're doing a really amazing job and the feedback comes back otherwise. And so, you know, my whole, it starts with me and ends with we is I've got to be in touch with my strengths And I I don't like to call them weaknesses. I like to call them opportunities, but I need to know where I am as a leader. And then I can, from that standpoint of like, if I know what I'm amazing at, build a team of people that can do things that I can't do. And then, and I I release my ego from that. And in, in leadership, that is probably the number one thing that can kill a team faster than anything that it's a leader with a huge ego and won't allow people to grow and thrive. And, you know, all of the data that is out there, the number one reason why people leave organizations is because of the leader, poor leadership. You know, they will tell you, I like the organization. I just couldn't work for this individual. I just couldn't work for this person. So, you know, being, being a leader, I believe is an honor and a privilege, but it also requires us to look within ourselves And how are we showing up? And it's not, you know, it's it's a lot I say about, you know, like being a parent. It's not about what I need. It's about how can I best serve my people? How can I take care of them? And so I've got to know where I am and I've got to know where my strengths are and then be able to, you know, engage other people to help all of us be successful. Exactly. Yeah, that's important. Like you mentioned with the example with the kids, especially when they are born, new newborns and like... You can't ask anything of the kids. You have you have, you have to to nurture and uh, take them to take care of them, and as they grow up, take them into a certain path that will lead more leaders. Right? Yes, yes, and that should be you know every leader's legacy should be creating more leaders. 
And, you know, I've, I've worked with leaders that were so afraid of developing other leaders because that was a threat to their own power. And, exactly. you know, and I, and, and I say, you know, if that's how you're leading, you're not truly leading. It's exactly. more about managing because managing is a lot about processes. I believe leadership is completely about people and you need both. But the, ma- the most amazing leaders are the ones that lean into people and aren't afraid if those people go higher than they are. Yeah, exactly. But what, well, why, why leaders like are afraid of this? Because they're afraid of other people below them taking their place. Is it about the position, the money that they're getting? Is it like we are self-absorbed in general people that they want the, all the benefits for themselves and they do not want to like share things? <laughs> they do not want to share things. You know, and I remember when I first got promoted into management when I was in corporate America, like the very first day my manager said to me, start looking for your replacement. And I thought, what? <laughs> I just got promoted. Give me a chance. You know, I'm not going to fail. And But his whole point is, you know, if you have aspirations of going on and doing more, you always need to be looking around at who could be you, you know, who could you develop and nurture and grow. And that is the mindset from which you lead, you know, not that, you know, people wanting my job is a threat to my job security. It's, you know, always be looking around at how you can help make people better. And that, and that to me is one of the biggest responsibilities. And I, and again, I believe an honor and a privilege to be able to do is help to develop people and where they want to go and what they want to do. And maybe that's not always working for you. Probably not, but you know, you've put somebody out there into the world and helped, you know, have a piece of their development, not in a selfish way, but, you know, in a, in a very giving servant leadership type way. Yeah. So, so what leaders now should do to, to, to like, be real leaders and get leaders more in the way and what like employees should be doing like to get let's say this kind of mentorship or people that are supporting them and they want them to be better like because you mentioned earlier as humans like I could be good at like one thing two things great at one two three things but I can't be great at like a hundred things right so we need each other like to excel in the business in the corporation Yes. Yes. And I, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, you know how we say it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a leader. <laughs> it's a, you know, we, we just don't get here by ourselves. I mean, we need, a, you know, it's leadership is not a solo journey. It's, it's bringing people together and, and great leaders can do that so well, so well, you know, they can engage that and they're not threatened by it, not threatened by it at all. Yeah, exactly. It's like sometimes the image that I see on Instagram that a leader is sometimes behind the employees or not that someone who's like on the on the clouds telling them to go to something when they are personally themselves are not they are do, they are not doing it themselves. Exactly. <laughs> they are not yes. leading by example. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so what are, for example, the characteristics of the best leaders? that I should look out for myself when I want to be a better one, a better leader? Well, it's interesting you said that because I've really noticed, of course, there's always general leadership traits, but having gone through the pandemic and working with leaders at all levels and across industries, um, and in in our book, Hope for Leaders in the 2020s, I kind of narrowed it down to four things that I think leading post-pandemic is going to require of us as leaders. And, and, and I came up with an acronym because for those people that know me, I love to make it accessible. I love to make it common sense because what I find is that 
a lot of leadership is common sense that's not common practice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like, what do you mean yelling at somebody's not working? I'm like, well, think about it. Think about it. Uh, but I, I developed this acronym for love, leading with love. And my HR friends loved it because they're like, well, you can't talk about love in the workplace. I'm like, but yet you can, you can. And so when you break it down and you think about what does it take, not only to be a great leader, but just, just a good human being in general, it, it starts with listening. And that's what the L stands for. It's a mm. listening ear. Because one of the one of the best qualities that the most amazing leaders I've ever worked for have had is the ability to listen and to not judge, you know, not to to, to be more curious than critical. And, and to be curious, you have to ask good questions. You have to sit back. You have to take it in. You, you have to assume that you don't know everything. You know, you, yeah. you have to in certain situations assume positive intent. And that's you know, that, that can be challenging for some when they've been in it a long time. You know, the second part of it is having an, an, object, an objective mind. And that really goes with, you know, trying not to put your, you know, projection into something, trying to be objective in this situation and not always assuming, you know, someone's motive or why they've done something. And, you know, that can, that can be hard as a leader. If you always do that, if people are feeling judged and, you know, the, the third one, if we haven't learned this one through the pandemic, you've missed a great opportunity a versatile attitude. We can't always do things the way we've always done things. And yeah. honestly, today's today's employment world, they are not allowing us to do things the way that we've always done things. And I've worked with some organizations that as soon as the pandemic, you know, the 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 worst part of it passed, they required everybody to come back into the office. Even though for 2 years people had successfully found another way to work. And people said, "Okay, Bye. See ya. I mean, they, they didn't, they, you know, it's, it's that, so we were versatile for the time that we had to be, but now we're not. So as leaders, just really thinking about how do we do business differently? How do we embrace that? Because when, when I hear people say, I just wanted to go back to the way that it was, there is no back to the way that it was, you know, I don't call it, you know, I call it the new normal. It's, it's how are we evolving? And we're still figuring that out. We're, we are really still figuring that out. And then the last piece of love is having an empathetic heart. You don't have to have gone through what someone's gone through to understand that they're going through something. And all of us on our journeys go through something. But those leaders that are able to be empathetic to those situations and to really just, again, listen with that objective mind and be versatile in how we approach things. I really am seeing that be the way that we're going to have to lead in the future. And not to say that we shouldn't have led that way anyway. It's almost demanding that we lead that way now. And mm -hmm. you're you're seeing people, as I said, not afraid to go if they're not getting those those needs met. I mean, they exactly. you know, the, the world right now is an employee's, it's just an employee's game. I mean, there's so many opportunities open that if this one's not working out, I've had friends that quit and had nothing. They just quit. It wasn't a good situation. They didn't feel that they were heard. They didn't feel recognized. They didn't feel like they were making a difference. And so they left. And it's, you know, today is, I think we have to, as leaders, look at what are we doing to influence somebody to want to be there or to not want to be there. And, and that's why I say it really goes to that, that self-awareness piece. Exactly. So because empathy is very important, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of people quit because of the people or the leaders that are the other. It's not just now money paycheck is important. Yes. But it's, it's like uh, there's a balance between that and the people that you are working with, right? So, 
Absolutely. If you are working with the, the, the people or the leaders that driving the organization does not have any empathy for the people because eventually we are not like 50, 100 years ago, like you have to work as a machine, everything is developed, like maybe in every organization now is about, I don't know, I'm just saying, maybe 50% of things are automated now. So you need some people to work things over these automations. But people need to be developed, need to be nurtured, need to be heard and and understood. Yes. And and just, I want to feel like you care about me. I want to feel like you care about me. And the best leaders, I've always felt that, you know, I felt like they cared about my well-being. They were checking in with me. Now they didn't let me get away with things. I mean, they still held me accountable to do things, but there was that empathetic heart that, you know, if, if things were going, you know, not well, it's like, what can I do? What can I do to support you? You know, what can I do to really lean in and help you? And I, as I said, I just, I, I don't think we can move away from that today. I think that that's how we are being called to lead today from all yeah. that we've gone through the last couple of years. So how do you, would you think the solution to a certain problem would be to have this kind of mindset shift to, yes, to make leaders more. more empathetic, to have them share of their opinion, to make the employees like, uh, I don't know, stand up for what they actually want? Absolutely. And, and, you know, and the leaders that I saw struggled the most during the pandemic were more of that mindset of the old way of doing things, that micromanagement, that if I can't see you, I can't trust you're working on something. You know, I just I, I think you're not doing work if I can't see that you're doing that. And, and they they really, really struggled through that time of, you know, being able to tr- trust and the leaders that already had some of what we're talking about. Their teams thrived during the pandemic. You know, it was everything. They probably got more done because we were finding more efficient ways to get to get there. You know, we we realized we didn't not everything had to be an in-person meeting. You know, if we're across town in offices, you know, you and I could just jump on Zoom and have, you know, a 15, 20 minute meeting. And then, boom, we jump off and we go back to the next thing. You know, when you mm-hmm. think about it's just the efficiency of time with things and it, it's, you know, as you and I were talking about, this doesn't replace us being able to connect in person when we're able to do that. But I, I really believe it's going to become more of a hybrid. And so that's, that's that versatile attitude is becoming so much more important now of we can't work like we used to work because that doesn't work anymore. So, you know, how do, how do we open ourselves up to that and lean into our teams and asking them, you know, like what's working for you? What would be a good work model? And I'm working with a lot of organizations now that after the pandemic, they brought teams together. They did focus groups. Let's take the best of what worked during this time. Let's get rid of the things that didn't. And, you know, what do we want to leave behind pre-pandemic? And and then what do we kind of want to bring forward? But it was a collaborative conversation. It wasn't, you know, a leader saying, oh, no, we're going to go back doing it this way because this is what I feel most comfortable with. Yeah. No, it's 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 a, te- it's a team, team job. So you mentioned meetings. So you, <clears throat> usually, usually in general, Meetings happen in businesses or corporation when there is any some kind of a problem or there's something that the company or biz, the big business corporation want to announce to employees, right? So, where where, where can these meetings uh, can be beneficial? Actually, they can, they can. You know, there's a great book, and I think it's called Death by Meeting. <laughs> it's, it, it is because, like you said, you think about how much time we spend 
in meetings, especially if your company is a culture of meeting a lot. And I, you know, I've encouraged leaders to do a meeting audit, to look at all of the meetings that they are attending or they're requiring people to attend. Are these the meetings that you should be going to? Are these the meetings that you should be leading? And if people that you are inviting to these meetings, virtual or in person, don't understand their purpose for being there, why are they there? And I, you know, I, I, I read a statistic somewhere that said over 70% of meetings are not productive. Yeah. Because there's no, like, what's the ROI? And there's even, uh, you can get an app. Of course, we live in a world of apps for everything, but you can even download an app or get an app that will kind of calculate an approximate cost for you of a meeting. So let's say you have 10 people in this meeting and it gives you a formula to like the average salary benefits, blah, 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 blah. So let's say you met for an hour. The meeting costs you roughly $50,000 when you start monetizing it. Say to yourself, did we just get $50,000 return on investment for, for what we just set through? You know, and, and when people say this could have been an email, this could have been an instant message, this could have been, it's just, I, 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 I really say let's become more intentional with that time and, and let's look at a given day and nobody's calendar should be back to back. Because you're gonna you're gonna fail someone if your you know your schedule is one to two two to three. There's no way you don't have any time to transition. And so when I'm I'm working with leaders, I'm like, be mindful and intentional about your schedule. What are you attending? Do you need to be attending it? Are these meetings you need to be leading? And give yourself space in between that. Give your team members space. Just you know, don't look at oh they've got an opening from one to two and everything else around it's booked. <laughs> And, you know, people do that. They'll look at your calendar and they're like, oh, you're free. You know, not thinking they've got to transition from one one thing to another thing to get through that. So, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of scheduling time with myself on my calendar. It, yeah. you know, it may even stay meeting with self. And nobody, you can't, you know, that, that's that half an hour. I need to transition from one thing to another thing so that I can be present in that next thing. That's why meetings are really unsuccessful because we're not present. We're we we're still in the last. Meeting. Yeah, you you are thinking about something else, or like when you are in a meeting, the employees start thinking, "Oh, they are delaying my work. I actually have to go like every now and this." Yes, <laughs> and, and they're not, and they're not the, the, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like there. you mentioned, most of the meetings, like at least seventy-five percent or seventy percent, are like basically useless. That can be sent through email sometimes. Or or this meeting that is taking 30, 60 minutes could be like, fine, a meeting, but maybe two minutes meeting. So, <laughs> Yes, you know, and just starting, ending on time. I mean, just some of the basics. Like I say, a lot of it's common sense. And I go to these meetings. I'm like, no wonder people are sitting there on their phones or on their laptops that they say they're taking notes. Mm, you know, they're, <laughs> they're doing whatever. They're shopping on Amazon. But, but I think... <laughs> I'm not blaming that. I'm saying if that's what's happening in a meeting, you as a leader of a meeting, that's on you. It's like everybody should feel they have a reason to be there and something to contribute. And if people feel like that and come to that, it is a different type of meeting. It is a very okay. different type of meeting. Okay. So what would you say some of the maybe let's say best advice or the worst advice that you someone told you about leaders and leadership? The worst advice I've probably gotten goes into some of the best advice that I ever got was delegating, mm. you know, and I had a leader that was probably more of an example of what not to be than what to be. And, you know, his advice was, if you can do it yourself, just do it. Don't bother your people with it. And, you know, to some extent, 
there's there's some truth in that. But to to flip that, one of the best leaders I said is, you know, he would say, find people you can delegate to. That's going to be one of your biggest things as a leader that you will never be able to go higher or do more, nor will your people if you don't delegate and develop them. And, you know, the the difference in in the advice was from one leader that, you know, he was the one that when, when good things would happen, he would take credit. And when bad things would happen, he would be quick to blame the team that, you know, he had no accountability responsibility. It was someone on the team. And I, I, I believe for him, looking back, this was earlier on in my management career, delegating was a threat for him. You know, he didn't, there were certain things he didn't want to let go of. He wanted to be the only one that knew how to do it. And that is a very dangerous place as a leader for you to be the only one that knows how to do something. Yeah. This to me means in this situation, for example, this means two things, either the, that guy wants to get all the credit for the work, for example, mm-hmm. or or like we talked about, like it's sometimes trust that they are not doing a good job. So if these guys or these people are not doing a good job, why 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 are they there? Like you know? Yes, exactly. So yeah, I mean, it, it was just interesting the difference in advice. I'm like. Oh my gosh. And now when I'm working with leaders, a lot of them struggle with delegating for that reason of the leader that told me, you know, if you can do it yourself, just do it. You know, you need to have things that are your things. And I don't disagree with that. You know, there's roles that we play and there's things that we do, but just like I I recommend doing a meeting checklist, you know, kind of an audit of are these purposeful things. I do. I say the same things to leaders. Look at all the things that you're doing in, in a given day. What are all the, are, are, are you doing the right things? Are you saying yes to the right things? Are these the best things for you to be working on? Or some of these things, it would be better served for your team to do so that you can work on things that are going to help them in the long run. And, you know, that's always that's not always that task-based thing. And there's it, it's hard when people transition into leadership because they used to be the doobie. You know, the doobie just checking things off and feeling that sense of completion. And when you're you become a leader, it's more of a, a constant flow of, you know, you may not have that feeling every day because you're working on a, a bigger strategic plan or you're putting, you know, something together where you're more of the visionary. You're not the one that's a, that's doing every task. You can't be. It's, it's just not possible. So, yeah, that's I, I love that question because it was an interesting thing of some of the best and the worst. And now I'm finding, I mean, even, you know, having my own business now, I have to delegate. I, I know nothing about putting a website together. I have an amazing person that is my person. He does it. You know, it, it's like if I'm working on all of these things, am I really doing the work that is my lane? You know, the, the yeah, best yeah, thing yeah. for me. And and it's like I can I get distracted from my purpose if I'm doing some of the things that maybe aren't my things to do. There are people that can do that. That's what they do. You have to find your the best things that and keep doing the best thing that you can in your area or your field or your skills. Like you can see here in your example, like for example, if you yourself are running or operating your website, that will take a lot of time from the business that you are doing. Mm-hmm. Which right. So that 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 will it's it's not going to work well for you. So you, you have to delegate, yes. It, it would look awful because that's not what I do. But, you know, then it's like I'm taken away from developing training. I'm taken away from, you know, developing relationships with clients, which are things that I need to be doing for my business. And that's no different than any leader. It's, you know, if I'm constantly engaged in these tasks that are taking away, you know, my sole purpose or my greater purpose, 
then I'm not focused on the right things. And then you also have to be, what is that communicating to your team? You know, what, what example is that being for them when you're doing that? So, you, yeah. you know, as leaders, I say, you just always have to be aware people are watching, watching and, you know, for you to be that example. And if you're saying one thing and you're doing another, that becomes a really great conflict and, and generally <laughs> don't want to follow people like it's like well you're saying this but you're doing this i mean I, I go back to the parenting thing you know it's like well you said no don't do that but i just watched you do it <laughs> and that do as i say not as i do does not work really well <laughs> yeah, yeah, like as a leader you have to stand your ground for whatever you say even if you like for example not new but let's say that certain decision was wrong and it turns out to be wrong, right? You have to stand, as a leader, you have to stand out for that decision and admit yes. that it was wrong, for example. <laughs> so, right. and, just, and, and own it. Yeah. Own it. You know, don't don't blame. Just take accountability. You know, I, I tell people all that all the time. You know, when challenging situations happen, nothing squashes it faster than you go, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. I screwed up. We should have gone in this direction. We didn't. I didn't. You know, and, and people, I, I want to work for someone like that. You know, I want to work for someone that owns their actions and owns what they've done. And, you know, if you want to develop people on your team to be able to do that, if you're the one that's doing this and you're pointing fingers at everybody else but yourself, well, it wasn't my fault. It was because of this or that or, this, you know, and, and, and there are leaders I've worked with. And I'm sure in your, your career as well, that anything that ever happened was never their fault ever. I mean, they could find somebody to take the fall for it. And I just, at the end of the day, I never respected that because I'm like, I would respect you more, you know, because it's nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And, you know, I've, I've, I've coached some leaders that their goal was perfection. And I watched what happened with their team because they wouldn't take risk because they feared failure. Because in this leader's mind, it was about being perfect, which is... It does not make any sense to me. So in general, if you are in a business or an organization, you want to 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 like grow like the business or grow, yes. for example, right? So if you want to stay perfect and in this context, you mean not taking risks. So how do you develop as a person? How do you develop your team? How do you grow the company or business? So Exactly. You have to make failure an option, you know, and I, I remember coming into my manager's office and I'd, I'd made a mistake and I was devastated. I mean, nobody's going to be harder on somebody than you that when, you know, when you feel, but I went in and I mean, I was just like, I was ready to clean out my desk. I mean, I, I was just like, you know, here's my resignation. And he, he looked at me and he goes, so what did you learn from that? And I, and, and I told him and he said, so if you were to come in tomorrow and had to make the same decision, would you make that decision the same way? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, no, you know, I would do it differently. He said, well, in my mind, then this has been a successful failure because you've learned something. And I, you know, I, in my own life, I say, I've learned more from those failures than I have from the successes. Not that when I started off, my intent was to fail. I mean, I don't think anybody hopes when they start something like, I hope this just goes really bad, doubtful, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it does by circumstances that are, that are beyond some of our control, but the accountability back is how do you own that? How do you learn from that? How do you grow from that? How do you become better? And then, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love Henry Ford's quote about, you know, it's failure is an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Mm 
Exactly. If we use that wisdom. And if we don't, it's it's wasted. Mm-hmm. It's wasted Definitely. wisdom in my mind. Awesome. Well, Hope, where can people get in touch with you to learn more about you, your organization? Well, they can find hope if they would like to find some hope at on our website at www.hope, H-O-P-E, for, F-O-R, leaders, Com. And I have a lot of resources available out there for them that, you know, and, and once what I say is once you've you've connected with me, I'm in your network, because as I said, it, it takes a village to raise us all. So there's ways that they can get in contact. And we have a free monthly e-newsletter that I put out that just provides practical tips yeah. on how to be a great leader. And so, yes, if there's anything I can ever do to help make someone stronger, better, bring them hope, please reach out. Awesome. I love it. Your hope, Ruben's hope. It's amazing. Like everything is working out for you on the name site. <laughs> That's what, what I tell people. You know, I, yeah. I, I believe I was given this name for a reason. And if I can't bring you hope, I've said this to a number of people. If I can't bring you hope, I need to change my name. <laughs> so, well, thank you all for being with me on this sure. episode of the Success Secret Podcast. Insightful, fun, and informative. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Saint. It's been a pleasure.